0: Here we are on a snowy Tuesday morning. Thinking about days of old when we didn't have automated phone systems. We had the the phone tree where the principal called one person and they called the next five people and then everybody that got called had five people they had to call and within minutes the whole school knew that school had been canceled. And maybe that's you today, but our kids will never know the thrill of waking up and having to watch the bottom of the TV screen to see if their school name was there. Were to listen to the man or a woman on the radio, read all the names, and if you missed it, you had to wait till they came around again. And some days that was a long wait. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. We're not having a snow day this morning. We're here in studio, and uh, we've got a great morning in store for us. But let's begin everything together in prayer, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I mean, isn't it just a thrilling morning? I came home last night. As I I mentioned on the show yesterday, um, car battery wasn't in such great state. I knew it wasn't. And rather than do something about it, I just let it sit until it was zero degrees outside and then just barely made it here to work yesterday to the studio to do the show. After the show, I promptly left and went to the repair shop. I also had some other things that I needed them to look at, and I was just waiting for the right day. And yesterday, it turned out, was the right day. And after all of that, I had to go drive the car around to test it out. And as I was pulling up in front of the house last night, snowflakes started falling. And for just one brief moment, it brought back that magic of childhood of seeing the snow falling the night before you went to bed and wondering, will there be enough? Will school be canceled? Now... I don't think that back in my day this would have been enough. I don't think school would have been canceled for this today. We we were a little bit tougher then, or at least the adults were a lot tougher then, and the kids we had no idea what was going on. But we, we probably would have had school. But I don't want to steal that magic from my children this morning. The joy on their faces when they got up and said, "I'm so tired. Do we have to get up?" I'm like, "We didn't wake you up. Why didn't you wake me up? Don't I have to get dressed? You don't have school today. It's not the weekend." No, you have a snow day. What? And then all of a sudden they're awake and looking out the window and what's out there? And is there enough snow to go sledding? Is there enough snow to play? I don't know about that, but there's enough that they don't have school. Today on the show, we're going to hear about too much pressure from Father Mark Goring. We also have a pro-life homily uh, relating to the second Sunday after Epiphany. And we're going to revisit a segment from earlier this, well, I guess it's last year, on the nuclear family and I'm going to tell you more about why we are revisiting that segment when we get to it but especially in light of pro-life activities I just want to say dads we need to be dads you know nothing else nothing more nothing less we need to be dads and we'll talk more about that later on the show so let's go to Mike Roberts to, to learn about our saint of the day
1: Today is the feast day of St. Fercy. Born in Ireland around 597, his grandfather is believed to have been a pagan king. He was baptized by St. Brendan the Navigator, who was also his uncle and was educated by St. Brendan's monks. He joined a monastery near Galway where he became known for his great prayer. On one occasion, while traveling, First, he fell into a deep trance and had the first of three visions. In the first, he saw the state of man and sin, the beauty of virtue, and he heard the angelic choir singing, "'The saints shall go forth from virtue to virtue.'" And two angels were telling him to be more zealous. Three nights later, he had a second vision in which he was taken to heaven by three angels who battled with demons for his soul. He saw the fires of hell, the strife of demons, and heard the angelic hosts in four choirs singing, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. He recognized St. Melvin and St. Beowin, who gave him instructions for his monks and explained the dreadful effects of pride, disobedience, and internal sin. As he returned, a demon hurled a burning sinner at him and burned Fursy, leaving a permanent scar. Later, he had a third vision in which he was instructed on how and what to preach for the next 12 years. He went to Anglo-Saxon England and was the first Irish missionary there, and then on to France where he built a monastery. St. Fercy, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day.
0: Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. All week long, we are going to be getting ready for the National Day of Prayer for Legal Protection of the Unborn. And we heard a great homily earlier on the show with our radio listeners about our pro-life prayer and about the spiritual realities of it one of the things that's really important i think to talk about in our culture right now though is the devil's attack on the family and how we've seen a real breakdown in the family over the last few decades and the impact that has and earlier uh, uh, last year we had a chance to sit down with father connor sullivan and talk about the importance of family and a term we hear that maybe we don't use quite enough the nuclear family and so As we prepare for all of these things, you know, at at the heart of it, we need moms to be moms, we need dads to be dads. Why is the nuclear family so important? Well, let's go back to this segment that we had with Father Sullivan. Well, we are happy to be on the road today with the show, uh, visiting at Kenrick-Lennon Seminary, actually in the Office of Vocations here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, with Father Connor Sullivan, who is on the faculty here at the seminary and does some wonderful work in the Archdiocese. Uh, Father, you are not just a priest, but you're also a psychologist now. Yes,
2: yeah. I'm uh, pr- certainly uh, provisionally licensed at this point, still working on full licensure. But yeah, I'm a clinical psychologist. Yeah, provisionally licensed.
0: Oh, good. This, yeah. th- this is good because... Now, I, I want to paint a visual for our listeners. I walk in here with this Pelican case. And <laughs> if you've ever seen one of those movies where they have the president and they're like, bring the nuclear codes, yeah, you know, they, yeah. this is exactly <laughs> the same kind of case. Yeah. And here we're, we're here to talk about the nuclear... Yes, yeah, family. not. Family. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so we, we don't need the nuclear codes, but I I was laughing at the... Uh,
2: yeah. yeah, the irony there. Yeah, yeah it, a little bit. It
0: fits. It fits. And, and that's where your degree in psychology and your training in theology really yeah. benefit us in this conversation. So oh. nuclear family is not a new term. It's a term that's been around for a while, mm-hmm. and maybe mm-hmm. some of us are saying, oh, I remember that from college. Let's refresh. What is a nuclear family? To
2: my understanding, the nuclear family, when we talk about the nuclear family, what we're talking about is... A mother and a father a husband and a wife who are um who are raising children so it's that immediate family um uh in in the life uh kind of that it takes on kind of in that immediacy
0: yeah that's an important definition because we live in an era where we have lots of different definitions of family you know we have single parent households we have children that live with their grandparents and not with their parents indeed Uh, we have foster homes uh, there are many things yes I want to start with the spouses sure. and and this is that question. How does it benefit parents to be spouses, especially again, going back to the culture that says, Oh, you know, you don't need to be married. You don't, you that doesn't matter. Yeah,
2: no, it's a, that's a wonderful question. Um, I think one of the things that I like to talk a lot about in marriage preparation, when we're talking about, you know, getting, getting ready uh, with couples who are preparing for marriage, um, one of the things I like to talk about with them is how their love as husband and wife actually becomes the kind of the refuge or the the place in which their children kind of feel safe. And so um, it, it sounds counterintuitive in a lot of our you know, one of the things in a marriage preparation course is that they always take an inventory in the Catholic Church, right? So in the Catholic Church, if you want to get married, you have to take an, a marital inventory that kind of compares and contrasts different opinions about things. And one of the questions that comes up in every marital inventory is, uh, you know, true or false, um, our children should come first. And that's a trick question. I, it always gets them because uh, it's a- the answer is actually false. The love between the husband and the wife actually has to come first. And that sounds really counterintuitive, especially to those really good mothers out there who are like, wait a minute, what's that about? But in reality, if you put your love first, as a husband and wife, and you cherish one another well, you're going to naturally be inclined to love your children as well, and that love becomes a safe refuge for them. Um, it becomes a shelter for them, and so it's oriented towards children, but it's also uh, it also has a life of its own.
0: So it's good when our kids come up to us and and, and see mom and dad sneak a kiss or sneak a hug or, or go out on date night yes. or something like that.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think it's not only is it good. Uh, kids seeing affectionate love between their parents is hugely important for development.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now let, let's talk about the kids for a moment here because this yeah. is another question we talk about and I've heard it probably for the last 20 years since I've been paying attention to this term nuclear family mm-hmm. uh, that children yeah. greatly benefit from being in that traditional definition of family where mom and dad are married, right? they have kids, and everyone lives in the same household together. Uh, Let's go a little deeper into that. Why do children benefit and how do they benefit from that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this is where, so
2: this is where my faith complements my education in psychology and vice versa, you know? So both the worlds of psychology and faith have, you know, there's a lot of psychology that has different theoretical ideas of this, but my faith informs me and helps me to be, I think, a better psychologist in this regard. But in terms of the Living together and staying together as a family unit, um, I think the the really the first thing that comes to mind is the unique gifts that mothers and fathers bring, um, to their children and to the life of the family that for, um, fathers, they bring a a certain giftedness that mothers don't. And mothers bring a certain giftedness that fathers don't. And I appreciate your earlier comment too, about making sure that we're including in the conversation, those whose nuclear families have been changed or altered in some way. I grew up actually, my father passed away when I was very young and, uh, one of the beautiful things that I learned out of some of the suffering that our family experienced in that was what spiritual fatherhood looked like that while my father wasn't, uh, in a large portion of my, uh, my upbringing, um, there were many fathers and I needed that masculine presence, um, in my life growing up. And similarly, I needed my mother's feminine presence. And so both of their presences bring something to the picture um, uniquely, and they, they complement one another. And if you have one that's missing, uh, you know, we run the risk of missing out on something really important or essential to our
0: upbringing. I like to joke in our household that uh, my, my wife and I Mirror the image of love, God's love to our children. Yeah, She's yeah. the the image of His mercy, and I'm the image yeah. of His justice yeah. or, or wrath. If we're going Old <laughs> Testament that day. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Th- th- But that's part of what you're talking about is that yes. mothers and fathers, or or spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers, mm-hmm. have different charisms that they bring to the table. Yeah, I think this is this hasn't been
2: necessarily. This is more theoretical, and it comes from a a source that is somewhat controversial. I give him uh, a qualified approval. You know, so uh, Jordan Peterson. Um, so a lot of people love to listen to him. I think there are some really important things about his kind of approach that are, are missing and that our faith brings that he may not have all the time. But he says some really cool things. And I think one of the things that he says is that mothers are really good at loving their children for who they are. And fathers are really good at loving their children for who they are capable of becoming. And, uh, and you see kind of mothers kind of wives challenging husbands to accept their children where they are and husbands challenging wives to um, help their children to grow and develop and to to move from where they are to where they want to be. And so, by the way, it's really important to note, like, mothers and fathers do both, right? But one is easier typically for one or the other. And so if you have somebody who just says, oh, you're good where you are without ever challenging you to grow— well, then then you get entitlement, then you get grandiosity, you get narcissism. But on the flip side, if you have someone saying you're not good enough yet and you need to work and you never hear the message you are lovable the way you are, well, then you get anxiety, then you get fear, then you get um, a lot of distress because you're never good enough. So you need the love of both a mother and a father, a masculine love that drives you into that next stage of development and a feminine love that reminds you of the goodness of who you are right now. And so the complementarity between the love of a husband and a wife, a mother and a father is really, really beautiful when you start to peel back the layers.
0: I think you you just hinted at something that was a perfect setup for this next question. Uh, you, you were talking about being told you're loved without being called to something greater. You get into narcissism and grandiosity or, mm-hmm. or the opposite extreme of that, being called to something greater and told you're better than this, you're better than this, or you could be better than this mm-hmm. without being told, but I also love you where you're at right now, leading to anxiety and, and whatnot. Right. How is, you know, we've heard it said that the nuclear family is a building block mm-hmm. of society. hmm and I think you just started to answer that. But why, why do we say that? Why do we call the family of the building block of society? It's a great question. And you could talk for ages
2: on it, I think. But uh, you know, just to kind of summarize, I think society is, has a vested interest. Our, our society, our nation, our state, uh, our local communities have vested interests in their citizens being really good, right? Uh, if you want to have a really good country, if you want to have a really good community, um, You have to have really good people. And the family, the nuclear family, the home, is where virtue is first learned. Um, and not just not just faith-based virtues, right? But also natural virtues: courage, right, uh, prudence, uh, temperance, patience. All of these things that we need to learn, um, and that, that there's really only one way to really learn them, which is uh, through the school of hard knocks, right? Like that you we learn to love um, when we're being stretched, you know. And and so so you know the the family in the home, the nuclear family, can be a place of of immense tension as well as immense love and support and acceptance. Uh, It's both. And and that tension is what helps us to grow, I think, in a virtue that helps us to grow into good, healthy, contributing citizens. So everything we learn starts in the home. And so if society wants to bring up good citizens, it behooves society to support policies that promote that virtue that's instilled and inculcated in the home.
0: Our kids, being kids, sometimes, you know, th- they come home from school and all of a sudden everything is just harder. It, it, mm. it you know, they're not paying attention. Maybe they're a little bit more emotionally. Uh, quick tempered or uh, quick to cry for, yeah. for the little ones and whatnot. But then we ask their teachers sometimes, are they like this at school? And the teacher says, oh no, they're the model of, of, of great behavior mm. at school. It, and someone said to me, you know why they do that at home is because at home they feel safe yeah. to let their guard down. And and I imagine, you know, if we want our kids to go out and survive the pressures of this world, this goes back to the very first thing you said. The love of mother and father mm-hmm. and the, the starting point of the family becomes that shelter, that refuge in the storm of life to say, okay, yeah, you can go out and do this every yeah. day, mm-hmm. but then you're going to have a place to come back to where it's just okay to let go and say, yes, this is hard, yes, this is difficult, but... I'm going to keep going at it.
2: Absolutely, one of the one of the things that I work with a lot is um, OCD scrupulosity. People who suffer from from obsessive compulsive disorder in terms of their relationship with God, and a lot of that flows from an anxiety that they can't ever do anything right. Um, but in order to learn any new thing, we have to know how to fail. Even in the, in the pursuit of virtue, even in the pursuit of love, we have to know that we're going to fail and fall along the way and to have a refuge where it's possible to try uh, and do it wrong first instead of worrying that you're going to do it wrong and never trying. And so I think there's a lot of stunted love out there actually because, because there are a lot of people who are afraid of failure when in reality I think one of the best things about a family is what you just said is like when a kid comes home and can let his or her guard down and say this is really hard you know, and I really don't like this and I don't know how to do it right and I feel like I'm always failing or whatever and you can work through it but you can't work through it unless it comes up to the surface and it can't come up to the surface until you know you, you invite that.
0: Yeah, I always love hearing uh, not just in mom and dad saying things like, it's going to be okay, or here's how we're going to do this, here's how we're going to get through this, but then the siblings doing that too, especially as we've just started school, and the older siblings have had the teachers that the younger siblings are having, and like, I didn't know you do this in this grade. And it's like, oh, yeah, but it's okay because the teacher's going to do that, and it's going to be great, and that wisdom gets passed down, but also that, that camaraderie and that support network that they become for one another to say, oh, you know what? I can help you with that math, or I can help you with when you feel this way, yeah. or I can help you with all of these things.
2: Yeah, that's it's a really beautiful thing. I grew up with five siblings, so I'm one of six, and um, my mom raised me. The fathers who stepped in for my dad when he passed away raised me, but my siblings also raised me, and that's I think something that some some people who have a number of children get a little nervous about, It's like oh, I have to raise all these children. It's actually you know there's a, an internal life of the nuclear family that starts to. Uh, double back on itself right and multiply it's exponential um and and that's a really beautiful thing about what you're just saying there is that what your children are doing is seeing how you have guided them and they want to do the same and so they're internalizing the beginnings of the love of a mother and a father at a very early age right which is that love that supports and nourishes and nurtures and guides which
0: is they're already starting to display that which is really cool one last question I, I just thought of here mm-hmm. is to talk about the broken families, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's something that yeah. we have many broken families in society and even within the church, and it goes back to something you said earlier, that number one, God loves you, yeah. right, mm-hmm. where you're at, in the parental mm-hmm. love of God the Father, but also that we are you know, called to more, yes. um, and, and that's a very delicate message sometimes, but what would you say to someone listening right now who says, well, you know, our home is a broken home, and so... Are you saying I, I don't have a shot at this? What do I do? Such a good question.
2: And I think too to remember as well, like even in in the families that don't ostensibly look broken, there's brokenness there too. Uh, there's a there's a book by John Eldridge called "Fathered by God." The subtitle I think is, "Learning uh, lessons that that your father could never teach you." Um, and the reason for that is that we're all fallen. So there's brokenness in every family. And then there's some there are some families that are. Um, ostensibly, you know, op- you know, out in the open, that brokenness it, it makes itself known, uh, and in those cases too, it's really important to remember the the rule is the same across the board that part of life uh, is is going to be figuring out how the Lord wants to go back at, with you to your upbringing and say, okay, so what was really good about that? And what was I missing? And to recognize that the Lord can give and can heal and can provide along the way. And it's important to recognize too, to be patient uh, and, and gentle with yourself along the way. Um, but if it's anything, I want the, the families who, who experience kind of that open brokenness where, you know, maybe a parent is missing, like my father was when he passed away, or maybe there's a divorce or, maybe there's a, a different kind of brokenness in the family. I think if there's one, one thing that I want to instill or, or say to that is that there's nothing that's uh, written off for you, absolutely, right? That the Lord can heal and provide in the midst of that. And part of the beauty of life is seeing how he does that and how he can bring life out of, out of really remarkably dark and difficult situations. Um, so I want to recognize the darkness and difficulty of that and empathize with that, but also to say there is
0: real, real hope. Yeah. Well, Father, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been a wonderful opportunity to get back to some of the basics of why we, as Catholics, emphasize the importance of Mm -hmm. family. Uh, Before we wrap up, could I ask you to offer a prayer for families? I would love that. I would love that. i will begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
2: Amen. Heavenly Father, we glory and we thank you uh, for the gift of being able to call you Father, and for adopting us as your sons and daughters. We thank you for the gift of family love, for the mystery of the love between husband and wife, and their love for the children who are the fruit of their love, and your love for them. We ask that you would bless all families uh, with an abundance of awareness of your great love for them and your support and your guidance and your presence with them. In a particular way, we remember those who are in any family that experiences any kind of brokenness, uh, and we ask that you bring your healing grace to them and know of, uh, that they also might know the, the love and support of, of loving Christians in their lives as well. And we ask all of these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Well, Father Connor Sullivan, once again, thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. It's been a pleasure for me too. Thank you. I think we all have had favorite weeks on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, and I'm very confident this is going to shape up to be one of my favorites. We're talking about life-changing penances, a topic that I love not just to discuss, but to put into action. And so, Patty, I cannot wait for today's penance.
3: I think you just want to hear how bad I am and all the penances that I've had to receive. (laughs) So this is kind of a crazy week. Patty Schneier is sharing her penances from confession. But it is true. These have been ones that I've remembered. These have been ones that have been life-changing. And actually, I'm going to share with you one of the penances I received from a very recent confession. I don't know about you, but often my sins are the direct result of other people's actions, or I'd like to blame them. Somebody does something, and I simply lose my patience, and then I say things I regret. I go off the deep end. I become rude, pushy, controlling, you name it. But unfortunately, my confession can sound like a gripe session about other people's sins. What I really want God to do is remove the speck in their eyes, right? Instead of recognizing the plank in my own. So apparently, I must have been doing this in a recent confession because here was the penance that I received. And it really took me by surprise. And I love this priest. And he said to me that I am to bring this person that I was just griping about and complaining about, I'm to bring this person to prayer. And I am to say to God in my heart, bless her. Change me. And then I'm to bring another person to God in my heart and say, Bless him. Change me. Now, this is the perfect penance for me because I always want everyone else to change. When in reality, I'm the one who needs to change. But this penance has actually begun to work miracles in my life. I have been able to respond with charity when I would have been rude. I've been able to remain calm when I would have otherwise just completely lost it. So maybe this simple prayer can help you with that one person in your life or two people or three people in your life who simply get under your skin time and time again. Say this, maybe today, Lord, bless her, change me. Bless him, change me. And again, I want to thank God for that priest who gave this to me as a penance.
0: You see, it's not about what you did and what your penance was and relishing that. It's it's a great prayer for you and I to pray each and every day because, as we said a few weeks ago on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, sometimes we get a little agitated, and I think this is a wonderful go-to little penance for each and every one of us whenever that happens. As we wrap up our show today, you know, I just am reminded of a shirt that I, every time I wear it, I take a picture and I text my my buddy Tim and He sends back something uh, to affirm what the shirt says, that uh, dads don't babies, that it's called parenting. And it goes back to that idea that, you know, we're talking about on the show today, that that very important thing, that family is one of the most important things those of us who are married are ever going to do. And we all have a family, right? We all have a family, whether we're single, married, uh, whatnot. Let's be holy families each and every day. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It all goes back to a question I I like to pray every day. Lord, how are you calling me to live my vocation today? How are you calling me to be holy? How are you calling me to be a husband? How are you calling me to be a father? How are you calling me to be a radio person? For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.